0: You know, we've been going through the book of Ecclesiastes, and as we've been making our way through this book, we've been looking for a song that kind of summarizes what the writer of Ecclesiastes, he calls himself a preacher, or teacher, kind of summarizes about that text we're about ready to look at. So we've been going through these, there's one more week left, and we knew one thing for sure we couldn't get through the book without a little bit of Taylor Swift. All right? And so uh, for those of you who've been waiting for it, there's Taylor Swift. Uh, um, 22. I don't know how many of you were 22. How many wish you were 22. I got a couple of hands going up. Interesting. I don't know if you heard the lyrics, but here's one of the lyrics. It says, we're happy, we're free, confused, and lonely. It's the best way. It's miserable and magical. I don't know about you, but I'm feeling... Twenty-two. Living like you're 22. I think what your bottom line is he's trying to say is, I don't know about you, but I hope you're living. And living at 22, I mean, that's apparently, in Taylor Swift's mind, the the optimum age of living is 22. Oscar Wilde, what do he say about the young? Youth is wasted on the young. Let me ask those of you who are no longer 22, if you know what you know now, and you were able to go back, how would you live being 22? What would you change? In the early service, somebody changed, shouted out everything. I'm <laughs> like, oh my goodness, let's go to prayer for you. All right, uh, for those of you, anybody who is 22, we had a couple in the, uh, the early service. Anybody 22 in the late service? We've completed 22. All right, Jamie, this is it. All right, you got to listen. This will tell you how to live is 22. But for those of you who are yet to be 22, God's word wants to speak to you as well of how we should live. How we should live as not just 22, but whatever age you are. The book of Ecclesiastes is an incredible book. It, It tells us, and a matter of fact, it commands us that we are to live our lives with joy. That we are to enjoy life, to live life, if you will, in a bit like like you're 22. But the book of Ecclesiastes says more than just that. What it really says is it's a look at life under the sun. It's a look at life under the sun, which is really a look at life without God. And it looks at life without God under the sun, and it says it's all vanity. It's all empty. I mean, God has made us for more than this. If you want to try to find your life, trying to pretend you're 22 or living like you're 22, if you want to try to find life and pleasure and wisdom or whatever the world has to offer under 22, you'll come up empty every time. Yet, in the midst of a world that's so broken, in the midst of a world that we, we can't find what we're longing and looking for, God commands us to live. He commands us To find life. And the only way we could do that is looking at the emptiness in this world and see beyond it. To remember that there is a creator. To remember that there is a God. To remember that God has created you for himself. God loves you and he has made you in his image. God has, listen, God has created you for life. God in Christ Jesus has created you not only for life, but for life abundantly. And the only way that we could ever enjoy life under the sun, scripture will lead us to a relationship with God's son. It's amazing how the author of Ecclesiastes does this. He lets us meander down every road of life as he has journeyed himself and says, empty, lonely, broken, heartache, nothing gained. In the midst of that, he points us to God. And a God who, in the midst of our brokenness, wants to pour in life and life abundantly. A God who has redeemed all things. He wants to tell us, remember, there's more than what's just under the sun. You know what God is saying to you right now? Wherever you are in your life, this is not it. This is not everything. There's more. There's more than what you can see. There's more in him. Remember the God who created the sun. Remember the God who reigns and rules over the sun and beyond. He's basically saying this. If you want to have joy in life, and I, I know you do, and he's calling you to truly enjoy it, remember that God's in control. How out of control do you feel right now? I mean, where, where are you in your life? I mean, whether you're 22 or not, this passage is going to remind us that, listen, God wants you to enjoy life as full as Because he's got you. He's got this world. He really is in control, but not just to remind you that God is in control. He wants us to know that he's a just judge, that there is a day coming where all of us will have to stand before him. And, and that sounds a bit terrifying, doesn't it? I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm reminded every day of what a broken sinner I am. I mean, I tell you, in my thoughts, my words, and my deeds, I mess up all the time. The Bible's going to say that there's a day coming that all of us have to stand before a just judge. And man, that could be terrifying. But you got to hear the good news of the Bible because standing before a just judge uh, one day is actually for the Christian not terrifying at all. We'll rejoice in the reality. We're going to see how in just a few minutes. But we also got to remember that not only is God in control, not only is he a just judge, but God is a victorious redeemer. The passage we're about ready to look at is kind of like uh, the book of Ecclesiastes is coming to a close. And literally the sun is setting. He's talked a lot about life under the sun, repeats it over and over and over again. In this passage, we're going to see the sun is about to be darkened. He's basically saying this. It's true of all of us. The curtain is going to close on your life. We don't know when. I mean, for some of you, it might be years and years and years away. For some of you, it might be tomorrow. None of us know. But what we know is this, is we live in a world that the curtain's closing. It's gonna close on all of us. And as a matter of fact, not just on our individual life, scripture tells us that the, the curtain is closing on creation as we know it, and God's gonna make a, a new heaven and a new earth. And with death so imminent, with the reality that you have to stand in a just judge, there's such good news in the Bible that God is a victorious redeemer. Kind of a religious word making that. Let me make it a little clearer. God has brought us victory even over death. And God is going to redeem all things. Everything that's broken, He says, I'm going to make new. Everything that's soiled, He says, I'm going to clean. Everything that's still undone in your life, I'm going to fix. Everything that's empty, I'm going to fill. And because of that reality, while we live under the sun, And while we live and still with this ache, we have hope. In the midst of that, God has commanded us to live, but live remembering God. So if you're 22, you're 102, you're two, or anywhere in between, God is going to command us today. He's going to exhort us today. Live. Live. I know that there's so much brokenness, but live. Live. Let's hear God's Word. Uh, We're going to pick it up where we left off in chapter 11 of God's Word. Uh, We're going to read all the way through 11 and a little bit into chapter 12. Uh, The author of this book, um, he wants to lead us to believe that Solomon, who was the wisest and richest man who who ever uh, lived, I'm not sure if Solomon wrote it or not, but what I am sure of is this, is that God has breathed his very being into these words. And these are God's words. Uh, These are God's words that we should put our whole lives under its authority. So here's what this means for you. No matter who you are, no matter where you've been, no matter what stage of life you find yourself in, God right now through his word wants to speak to you. Can you believe that? Can you believe God cares enough about you right now to speak to you? That's why he's given us his word. That's why his son Jesus became the word in flesh so he could communicate to us. And here's how he wants to communicate. Not in a way that just entertains you. God right now wants to meet with you through the hearing and preaching of his word so he could transform you. So he could give you what only he could give. The ability for you to live. So let's hear God's word. I'm going to pray before I read it because I'm going to kind of give some running commentary because again, it's a little bit confusing. It uses kind of poetic language to describe life and Uh, Sometimes it's hard to understand what it's being said. So I'm going to interject a little bit um, what the commentators and others say. So because of that, I'm going to pray before I read. So would you please pray with me? And Father God, would you be pleased to do that which only you could do? And that is speak through a broken sinner like me. God, would you be pleased to do that which only you could do? And would you give us the ears to hear your voice? through your word read and preached this morning. That, God, that you would lovingly give us the minds to embrace your word and your will for our lives. That we be able to understand it. Holy Spirit, shine into the darkness of our minds so that we know what this says about you and about us. God, would you so graciously be with us in this moment through your Holy Spirit that you would give each one of us hearts to believe That God, that these words would sink deeply in, that we would see them as true, and that we would love you more. And for some of us, that we would surrender to you, maybe for the first time, that you'd fill our hearts with your your love. And God, would you be with us, and and whether we're 22 or two or 102, but may each one of us be able to to walk out of here in a manner worthy of your name. God, would would you be so clearly and vividly with us that when we leave here, we can have life and life abundantly in Christ Jesus. And God, the things that I say that are wrong or merely my opinion, may those things be forgotten and fall away quickly. But the things that are said that are true and contain the good news of the gospel, God, use those as as power to shape us to be like your son, Jesus, our Savior. And it's in his holy name that we pray. Amen. Ecclesiastes 11, verse 1. Hear the word of the Lord. Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you know not what disaster may happen on earth. What in the world is that saying? It's basically a call to be bold. It's a call to be generous. It's a call to give. In the midst of life's uncertainty, Cast your bread upon the waters. Many commentators believe this is an urgency for us to give to the poor. Others may say this is an urgency to live and to invest and even to diversify as you give to seven or even to eight. But the bottom line is the call is this for all of us is to live. Don't be fearful. Don't hold on tightly. Give. Cast. If the clouds are full of rain, verse 3, they empty themselves on the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or to the north, and the place where the tree falls, there it will lie. The question I'm sure you're asking is, if no one is there, will they hear it? Or will it make a sound? But it's basically saying this. There's same things we do know. We do know when the clouds roll in and the ominous clouds come, that rain is coming. We don't know when a tree falls. Well, it falls in the place where it lies. But there's much we don't know. Verse 4. He who observes the wind will not sow. And he who regards the clouds will not reap. It's basically those who are just waiting for the right time. Those who just spend their whole time wondering, is this the time to act? They, they won't go anywhere. And verse 5. As you do not know the way the spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. There's so much in life we don't know. You don't know what tomorrow holds. You don't know what's around the corner. Either do I. We have no idea. But in the midst of that, he says in verse 6, In the morning sow your seed, and in the evening withhold not your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. You don't know what tomorrow will bring. Light is sweet, or life is sweet. And it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. In the midst of everything broken, life is still sweet. Verse 8, so if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. But let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity. Basically saying, if you've lived a good long life, rejoice in it. But know that there's a day coming. When the curtain will fall. And then for the uh, young person as well. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth. And let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Uh-oh. 22. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes. Now, you want to hit pause and say, What? Is this telling young people to walk in the ways of their heart and the sight of their eyes? Is this telling them not to walk by faith? Is this telling them to follow their hearts? Is this good principle for our young people? Well, there's more to follow. And again, you'll start to hear it. But know that for all these, God will bring you into judgment. Remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body. For youth and uh, and the dawn of life are vanity. Chapter 12, verse 1. Remember also your creator. This whole passage really revolves on that. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near, of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. And he's going to wax and wane here very poetically and I'll try to unpack it for you. But as you grow old and you're losing pleasure, before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain, he's basically saying under the sun, the curtain is closing and the day is gonna come where where each one of us, the curtain will close. And the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent, can you see as the older age, we kind of bend over And the grinders cease because they are few. You know what many commentators think that is? Teeth. In old age, you're losing your teeth. They're few and the grounders are few. And those who look through windows are dim. Our eyes are going to go. And the doors in the street are shut. When the sound of the grinding is low, our ears are going to, our hearing is going to go. And when rises up at the sound of the bird, you're going to get up all night when you're older. And all the daughters of song are brought low. They are afraid also of what is high. I mean, the older you get, the more you're terrified of falling. And terrors are in the way. The almond tree blossoms. Many commentators believe that this is as we get old and our hair grays and turns white. And the grasshopper drags itself along. I mean, how difficult is it for us to move in our later years? And desire fails. The desire for even life. Because man is going to his eternal home and the mourners go about the streets. Before the silver cord is snapped, now he's talking specifically about death. He's painted the picture of how old and decaying. And now before the silver cord is snapped or the golden bowl is broken or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain or the wheel broken at the cistern and the dust returns to the earth as it was and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Again, we have a picture that there's more here beyond the sun. It doesn't tell us the whole story of resurrection and life, but it tells us there's more. But at the same time, vanity of vanity, says the preacher, all is vanity. Again, let us pray. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing and acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I pray in Christ's name, amen. Do you own a t-shirt that says, life is good? And do you have that on the back of your car, life is good? Uh, do you have a hat that says it? I'm sure you've seen them, right? I mean, everybody's seen the life is good kind of uh, marketing that's out there. Uh, do you own that? Are you that kind of person? Or are you the kind of person who sees those and say, oh, whatever? I mean, do you see that bumper sticker and do you want to, like, maybe bump his car? Um, <laughs> Do you see that shirt and maybe you want to like pull it over like a hockey fight and say whatever? Um, or are you one of those people that bumbles along in life and says, oh, everything's great, I'm wearing a life is good shirt. Well, you know, the interesting thing about the life is good shirt is probably you like them, you don't like them, depending on your stage of life, right? I mean, depending on where you are in life, you're probably saying, yeah, some days I want to get up and I'll put on that life is good shirt. And sometimes I want to put on that shirt that says life stinks. But you know, of all the people who should wear a life is good shirt, according to the Bible, you're the only ones who have the right to wear it. I mean, call the people. I mean, we as his children, we who have been loved, we who have been set free, and we, we who have been redeemed, we who know that although everything is broken right now, and, and there's still things that are so messed up, and things in our lives are still incomplete and undone, that God wants us to wake up in the morning and put on our life is good t-shirts. How? How can we do it? Well, really what we should do is say, yes, life is good, but remember your creator. Because the reality is, is life is, is gonna tell you over and over again, it stinks or it's broken. And the only way for us to really ever know that life is good and life is worth living is to remember your God. He's gonna say this, remember your God. One is this, that God is in control. As much as things seem like it's out of control, God has called us. He says, I'm going to remind you that I, I, I have everything in my hand. It's, it's, I, I got it. I'm good. You're good. And he tells us, because I have everything in control, I know that it seems like the world's spinning off its axis. And I know, I've heard many of you say to me, even recently, can it get worse than this? I mean, what has happened to our world? In the midst of that, God is whispering in our ears his sovereignty, his providence, his grace, saying, I am in control of all things. And because I am in control of all things, he's saying to each and every one of us, live. I got it. Live. And live with joy. Not just live, but he's telling us in this passage, be generous. He even kind of leads us to say, take risk. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but I got you. It's okay. The world is fragile, but our God is not. Everything under the sun is is coming to a a close in many ways, but he's not. So truly live. You see, God is beyond the setting sun. God is beyond what we see. God is in control. Last week, we looked at the passage and we said the summary of my sermon last week was keep calm and carry on. God's got this. Keep calm and carry on. Well, this takes it even further. This text of saying, cast your bread upon the waters and give to seven or or to eight. He's basically saying, be generous. Be generous. I I know that that it seems like disaster might be lurking around the corner, but be generous. Work diligently. Whatever God has called you to do, do it diligently. And he tells us this. This is incredible. Live joyfully. Live joyfully in the midst of life. Why? Because he's in control. Why? Because God is a just judge who is pleased with us in Christ Jesus. Now, let me ask you a question. When you read this passage, it says, Don't forget, God is a judge. He's going to judge everything you do. How do you feel? Uh oh. Oh, darn. Darn. A day's coming. I'm just going to stand before God, and He knows me. And let me tell you, He knows you better than you know you. He knows your thoughts perceives their words for the can. He knows what you're thinking. He knows what you've done. And the Bible says that, that God is a just judge and, and all of us are thinking, uh-oh, but there's good news. I'm gonna get to this really good news is that this is not something to be feared for Christians. This is something to be loved. This is something to be embraced. This is something to actually bring us joy. And not only that, that we know that God is control and that we know he's a just judge, that he's a victorious redeemer that he's conquered even death. Remember. Yes. Life is good. But remember your creator. He is in control. So therefore we should live our lives. And we're the only people in the world who really are empowered to do this. Give generously. If you want to follow along your bulletin. Give generously. That reflects Christianity. That reflects our God. One thing about our God is he is ridiculously generous. And he gives to those who don't deserve it like you and me. That's what it's like to be Christ-like. Jesus who would empty himself of all things, who who was rich, who would become poor so that through his poverty, we could become rich. He's calling us this as Christians because God is in control of everything. He's basically saying there should be nothing that we hold on to tightly, nothing. That everything we have, well, it's his anyway. That we should be, willing to invest. We should be willing to give. He's telling us this, that everything that God has given us, he's created you with your gifts and abilities. He's placed you where you are in your neighborhood. He's given you your job. He's given you, those of you who are married, your your families. Everything is by his design. And he's got all those things. Ready for this? He now says, work hard for him. Everything should be given to the advancement of the kingdom. You may say, well, Jeff, I don't know the Bible that much or I've just become a Christian or I don't have very many gifts. since so God is saying, whatever you have, work at it diligently for his glory. He says, as you give, you'll find it. He who spares so, uh, who, he who spares so sparingly will reap sparingly. But those of you who are generous, who, who sow bountifully, you're gonna reap bountifully. That's what scripture says in 2 Corinthians 9, 6. 6. But I love this. He says this. I want you to be generous, but disaster is imminent. Although it says right there in in those first two passages, he says, cast your bread upon the water. You don't know what's going to happen, but you know this, that disaster might be around the corner. If you know that tomorrow is going to bring disaster, what are you going to do to your stuff? My guess is we're going to hold on tightly, right? And we're going to say, oh my gosh, I I, I can't let go of this. I mean, I, I can't. I can't be generous. What if the stock market crashes? What if I lose my job? What if my kids choose a college that's really, what if I, what, what, if, what, what if, what if, what if, what if? What if disaster's around the corner? And God is saying this, but I want you to be generous because I'm in control. You see, We're to live our lives with generosity because why? Because our stuff can't be our identity. Our stuff is not our identity. Our God is our identity. Why does he want to live our lives with generosity and open hands? Because our stuff is not our security. Because we're secure in the love of Christ alone and and he is in control of all things. We, We hold everything loosely because, again, our stuff's not our identity. It's not our security. It's not our joy. He is our joy. It's not what consumes us. He is what consumes us. There's this great call to live. Live and live generously because God is in control. And if you can't live generously, your stuff's your identity. It's your security and your hope and not Jesus. God is in control. Work diligently for the kingdom's sake. Don't wait for the perfect time. I mean, some he says he's somewhere looking at the clouds. Is it the right time to sow? Is it the right time to move? Don't write, wait for the right information. You'll never have it. Don't wait for a guarantee to, on a return. You know what he's telling us? Take a risk. Be bold. Take that trip. Write that check. Go and live. I'm in control. Anything you could do for the kingdom's sake, do it. Live joyfully. Because life is sweet. For some of you, you may say, man, it doesn't feel sweet. And I know at different seasons of our lives, we don't want to wear that life is good shirt. I know there's times I just wanted to use it to clean the toilets. You know, and say whatever life is good. I've I've been there too. But the reality is, is the sun is shining. The reality is, is your heart is beating. The reality is, is your your lungs are filling. The reality is, you got something precious called life. And God has given that to you as a gift. It says, old folks, rejoice in your years. Even though things are breaking down. And even though, and again, I, I see it, you know, so... Clearly and painfully through our congregation and through my own family, but rejoice in the years that God has given you. But remember, remember the curtain is going to come. Remember the dark days are are coming, and this life is vanity. But he says to young folks, he says young folks, rejoice in your youth, twenty two or wherever you are. And he says something crazy: walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes. I don't know any good parent that would tell their kids, I want you to follow your heart. (laughs) I want you to see it and go for it, unless their heart is filled with Jesus, unless what they see is who God is. Anybody here, a Friday Night Lights TV program fan? Anybody remember the, the phrase they had? Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. Basically telling us, it's true, if you have clear eyes and full hearts, can't lose. But, you know, Scripture, we've got to look at this and say, well, what does that mean? Because God's Word, as a matter of fact, even in Ecclesiastes, says that there's not one of us who really have clear eyes. There's not one of us who's righteous. The Bible tells us that. And as a matter of fact, Ecclesiastes says that God put eternity in our hearts. So who can have a full heart? Only those who are pursuing heart after God and letting his love fill your heart only those who love God and know that his love for us, only those who can clearly see who Jesus is and what he's done for us. He says, remember, young people. Remember, old people. Remember, anywhere between. God will bring judgment. According to the Bible, every single one of us is gonna stand one day in judgment. And again, I, it, it, it's, it's, for those who don't know God, it's gonna be a terrifying day. There is going to be a reckoning according to God's word. But God didn't put this here for a cosmic killjoy. He didn't put this as just this big ominous warning to say, yeah, go have fun, but just remember, uh, I'm going to play whack-a-mole. You know, when you're out of line, bang, I got you. When you're out of line, oh, I got you. You know, don't forget that you're going to pay and pay dearly for every one of your sins. You see, we as Christians, you got to get this, this is the good stuff. We as Christians are going to find joy and judgment as a Christian joy and judgment are not mutually exclusive when we find the two of them in Christ Jesus. Remember judgment is a call for us to remember Jesus. God's word says of Jesus that he is two things in Romans 3:26. Jesus is both the just and the justifier. Now, I promise they probably sound like religious words. So let's understand what it means. Because God's word says this about Jesus. He is the just. He is the spotless Lamb of God. He is the just. He is the one who came without sin. The one who lived the life that you and I were supposed to live. The one who, who pleased the Father in the way he lived his life. Jesus is the just. Jesus is the one who, who didn't fail where we failed. Jesus is the beautiful, only begotten Son of God, our Lord. And in his glory, he walked on this earth sinless and spotless. Jesus and Jesus alone is just. But he's more than that. He's the justifier. Jesus is the one who has the power and authority to call us guilty or not guilty. And it says that Jesus the just has become your sin. He he became my sin. Jesus stood in the judgment of God on that cross. He, He absorbed all the wrath of God for our brokenness. He absorbed all the wrath of God for our filth, our rebellion, our rejection of God. Everything that deserves for us to be separated from God, God the Father poured out on God the Son so that the just God Jesus could be the justifier. And this means that now in Christ Jesus, He, He can say to those of us who by God's grace have faith in Him as our Lord and Savior, we have been declared not guilty. And the only way we can be declared not guilty is if Jesus is both just and justifier. The only way that we can be declared not guilty is if there was a cross where he hung on and died for us. And a tomb that's empty that love and life now reigns. Do you know what scripture says about us in Christ Jesus? Are you ready for this? It says, if you are in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. All the things that you have done, are doing, and will do that deserve God's wrath have been paid in full. Paid. We live our lives. Ready for this? We live our lives being declared not guilty because Jesus is both just and the justifier. And what good news is ours? You see, we have nothing to fear of God's judgment if you are in Christ Jesus. Do you know what will separate you from the love of Christ? Not a thing. Do you know about your sins of the past, your sins of the present, your forgetfulness? Do you know the things in the future, what will separate the believer in Christ Jesus from the love of Christ? Love of God, not a thing. Rejoice. You see, this causes us to live. You gotta go live. You gotta go live because you're free. You gotta go live because God is in control. You have to go. He's commanding us to go. Because why? Because what Jesus has done for us as the just and the justifier. In Ecclesiastes 9.7, he says something that we should look at every day of our lives. It says this, God already approves of what we do. Really? Do You think God approves of you? Do you think God likes you? Do you think God is for you? According to his word, he says, now he was talking in Ecclesiastes 9, 7 about eating and drinking and enjoying life because that's what he created us to do. We think back to the garden. But we have the privilege of looking at the cross and realize what Jesus has done for us as the just and the justifier. And here's what he's saying. He's saying, not only are you forgiven that you're beloved, not only are you forgiven, but you're mine. I already approve of you. He he knows us. He sees us. in all the brokenness and all the sinfulness. Yet, he loves us. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why he says, you have to remember your creator. You have to remember your redeemer. And put on the t-shirt that in Christ Jesus, life is good. Yes, we will cry. Yes, there will be brokenness. Yes, there will be sadness and sorrow. But he wins the day. And that's the last point. Remember, God is a victorious redeemer. He's conquered even death. As the sun is setting on Ecclesiastes, and for some, the sun is setting on our lives, and for all of us, we don't know when that setting will actually take place. It tells us how cruel old age is. It just tells us how we just fade away and lose our desire and, and, and hardly physically can, can move around. The death is imminent to all it tells us of a God who's beyond it all that our spirits will return to God and we know that in Christ Jesus that absent from the body is present with the Lord and we know that in Christ Jesus we see a resurrected body and that's our future we too one day will have a resurrected body the point is this when the curtain falls on your life if Christ is your redeemer you live the point is this, as the curtain falls on this world, if Christ is your Lord and Savior, you live. We still live in Christ Jesus no matter what happens. So he's saying to us this, I got you, I'm in control, go live. Enjoy it, go go, be bold, take some risk. Go for it, I got you. You're not gonna blow it. And go and serve me with all your heart. Go and live, I'm a just judge and in Christ Jesus, I'm for you. I'm with you. You're declared not guilty. Go and sin no more, but go and live. Because I'm a victorious redeemer. No matter where death is knocking at your door, know that that's not the last knock. Jesus knocks. And that's the, that's the knock of life. That's the knock of life and life abundantly. You see, we are the only ones who have the right to wear a shirt that says life is good. But only when we say, remember your creator. That under the sun, this isn't all of it, that life is only found in the sun. Life is only found in Christ Jesus. And the message to you who have Jesus as your Lord and Savior, get out there and live. Live. Get out there and live and enjoy it. Know that I'm for you and I'm with you. I got you. I'm in control. Get out there and live. The just judge, he's the just and the justifier. Get out there. Be bold. Take risk. Get out there and know that the Redeemer lives and because he lives, you do too. And for those of you who have yet to place your faith and trust in Christ Jesus, this passage reminds us there's a day coming of judgment for all of us. And the Urgent message to you is embrace life by God's grace as Jesus is your Lord and Savior. May we live boldly, take risk, and truly live for our great King. Let us pray. Father, we thank you that as the sun sets on Ecclesiastes and it begins to turn dark, you don't tell us to batten down the hatches. You don't tell us to be terrified. You don't tell us to hold on tightly. It's crazy. You tell us to go live. In the midst of a world that's uncertain, we don't know what tomorrow will bring. In the midst of a world where disaster looms around the corner, you tell us to be generous. You tell us to be bold because we're free because we're loved and because we're yours. And you and you alone are the most awesome, mighty power in this universe. And if you are in control, we don't have to be. And if you are in control, you have empowered us to do that which only your children can do, is to live and to live boldly. And God, we thank you that You would love us enough that your son would become the one that we would call the just, (laughs) the righteous, the holy one, the spotless one, the obedient one, the perfect one, the matchless one. That's you, Jesus. You and you alone are the just. And you and you alone are the justifier. And only through your blood and righteousness can sinners like us be declared now and forever, not guilty. Thank you for the life that comes with that. Thank you that nothing will ever separate us from the love of Christ. And Jesus, thank you that you and you alone are the conqueror of death. You are the victorious redeemer that as the curtain closes on all of our lives, we can walk through the valley of the shadow of death without fear because our God reigns and our God has conquered even death. And so now you command us to go, to go and live like only your people can for your glory. Holy Spirit, let us do that. We pray in Christ's name, amen.